Thank you so much for checking out our podcast. We hope today's message encourages, inspires, and empowers you to follow after Jesus like never before. Before we get into today's teaching, I want to invite you to join us live at one of our services at any of our three campuses in West Virginia, or join us as we stream live online. For more information or to save your seat at one of our services, visit our website, iheartchurch.online. Now let's check out today's message. As I said, we've been looking at the Father over the past few weeks. We've talked about how the Bible talks throughout Scripture, how God is gracious and compassionate, a slow to anger, rich in love. We've talked about how uh, God, uh, his, his discipline for us is done out of love. It's for our good. Last week, we talked about how uh, the, kind of the whole God so loved the world, that, that God loves the lost, and that his desire is that his children love the lost and, and are doing their part to help reach the lost and tell people about Jesus and, and, and uh, help rescue people uh, from the path that's leading to destruction and help them Find the way to God. and uh, But a, a lot of this talk on the Father, I, I taught on it at the men's camp out. I've taught on it the past few weeks here. I spoke at Life Changers a few times talking about the Father and His heart. And, and, and some of it may seem a little repetitive in things, but I think it's very important that we understand who God is. I think one of the greatest things that you have in your life that, is, uh, that we need in our life is a true understanding of who God the Father is. And, and one of the greatest things that will hinder us from being able to be who God has called us to be and, and being able to enjoy the relationship and stuff that God wants with us is a wrong view of who God is. And so hopefully over the past few weeks, it's beginning to shift some of those things and beginning to understand more about who uh, the Bible says God is and not just the experience that we had with our earthly father, or maybe the experience that we had from the way that he was presented to us or represented in uh, church uh, people. But, you know, last week we talked about uh, three stories that Jesus taught in Luke chapter 15, the parable of the lost coin, the parable of the lost uh, sheep, and then the prodigal son. And we're going to go back to Luke 15 and we're going to focus in on that third story today and learn more about who the Father is. It starts out in Luke chapter 15, verse 11. It says, and he said, talking about Jesus, telling the story here, he said, there was a man who had two sons. Now last week I talked to you from this passage of Scripture and pointing out the fact that it says there is a man who had two sons. In other words, the, the primary focus of the story was not the son, as if we tell it many times in the church world today. Probably even a lot of your Bibles have it labeled the prodigal son. Or as you grew up in, in children's church, the story was labeled the prodigal son. But really, the story was all about the father and pointing to the father and revealing things to us about the father. And that's what we focused on last week. But here's the amazing thing about God's word is that God's word is, is not just plain and simple. Like there, there's depth to it. There's character to it. It's, it's not like, you know, you go to a, a, a restaurant or you go to a party or something and maybe they, they, they have some bean dip or maybe they have a little nacho cheese dip or something like that. And, and I think a lot of times we think that that's kind of how the Word of God is. It's just kind of one flavor, one purpose, one thing. But, but the Word of God is kind of like that seven-layer dip. Come on, how many of you like a seven-layer dip? It's got 
the cheese on it. It's got the salsa, the bean dip, the, the uh, some guacamole on there, you know, all that stuff. Like some of y'all are like, Pastor, stop talking about food. It's too close to lunchtime for that. But but and some of y'all are like, we're gonna go eat some Mexican after this, you know. Dad's just made up their mind what they want to eat for lunch today. But, you know, there's layers of it. Every layer has different tastes. If you take a, if you take a, a dip, a cheese dip, every, every bite that you take is going to taste like cheese. If you, you take a bean dip, every bite is going to taste like beans. But when you get that seven layer, like you might get that, that bite that has the guacamole. You might have that bite that has some peppers in it. Like it just kind of gives a little different flavor, a little, little different test, a, a taste that you have. And that's how this story is because today... When Jesus tells this story, there's so many layers to this that, that you can go back. I could probably preach out of this passage now for weeks and show you different sides of the story and looking at different things. Last week we talked about the Father. This week we're going to focus in on the Son. And we're going to start with the first Son who we label as the prodigal. Now I think it is very important to realize that nowhere in Scripture does Jesus label the Son as the prodigal. Nowhere in Scripture does Jesus, you know, uh, draw a derogatory name of the son or talk down about him or, or like he was kicked out of the family or any of those things. He, he always referred to him as a son. Even when he told the story, he didn't say there was a, there was a man who had a son and a heathen. A son and, and, a, and a prodigal. Like, he doesn't identify that. He says there was a man who had two sons. And I think that's very important because many times when we look at this scripture, we look at it as if he had a son that was saved and a son that was lost. But again, he's saying both of these sons were part of the family. They were connected to the father. They were sons. Everybody got that with me? Come on, church, you never say he's saying he was a son. Not a servant. Everybody got that? We clear? We good? So we're going to talk about these two sons. And we're going to start with the younger son. The first thing that we have to realize is that the younger son didn't have a great understanding of his relationship with the father. You look at the way that he had a relationship. In fact, in his culture, it would have been very offensive to come up to, to a father is a patriarchal society, so the father is kind of the head of the home and, and very, uh, 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 very, very much honor and everything for the father. And so to come up and say, hey, I want my inheritance would have been an extremely disrespectful thing. Some of you dads today, if your kid walked up to you and said, hey, I want my part of the inheritance, everything that I'm going to get when you die, give it to me now. You'd be like, I'll give you something. <laughs> I'll give you the left foot of fellowship, get out of my house, you know what I mean? Like, you would, you would not be happy about it. But this, this view that this younger son had of the father obviously made him want to be gone. Like, he didn't seem as a loving, caring father. He, he probably saw him as restrictive you know, he probably thought, he, he, he makes me go to bed early so that I can be up early. I got to do all these stinking chores all day long. Like, he, he's always bossing me around. He, he got to always act right around dad, you know, all this stuff. And he, he sees him in that way. And it caused him, however he saw him, caused him to the point of where he didn't even want relationship with him. Basically, the, the younger son just wanted what he could get. So the younger son wanted only what the father could give. 
He didn't want any intimacy or true relationship with him. And the problem is this, that many of us can be like this son. Many of us, in our relationship with God, we serve God for the things that he can give us. Even look at the way the gospel is presented today. Many places the gospel is presented as all the blessings that you can receive from God, but never the things that God may ask from you or that God may want you to do. It's just what you can get. And, and so we're like the son in, in, in verse 12. It said, the younger one went to the father and he said, I want my share of the property and I want what's coming to me. We go to God and we're like, God, I want you to bless my work. I want you to bless my, my family. I want you to give me a fine wife. I want, you to, I, want, I want you to, like, you know, give me money. I want you to give me these things and all these blessings. And so we give God, to, uh, give me my inheritance now. Want it, want it now. And this father didn't kick him out of the house. This father didn't. It says the father divided his property between them. And I want you to notice this. He didn't just give the, the younger brother the inheritance. He gave the older brother the inheritance at the same time. He said he divided the property in between the two sons. It says not many days later, the, the younger son went out and he gathered all that he had together and he took a journey into the country and he squandered his property in reckless living. He went out and he just lived his life for his own. He lived his life for what he could get. He didn't have anybody setting curfews for him anymore. He didn't have anybody to answer to. He could be his own person. He could make his own decisions. No structure, no regulations, no obligations. Just whatever feels good, he could do it. Whatever felt like it would be fun, he could do it. He now had the resources to be able to do that. And again, I think many of us, in our relationship with God, we live as the younger son. And I'm not saying that you're all out in like that, that, that you're out in complete sin and just squandering your life uh, in, with prostitutes and gambling and, 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 and drinking and drugs and all of those things. But there are a lot of us who are squandering our life, living for ourselves and what we want now versus understanding uh, the, what the meaning of our life is and what we can do for the Father. When I thought about that, about the I want it now thing, I kind of had two things that popped into my mind. The first one was Burger King, your way right away, Burger King now, right? The other one, how many of you ever seen Willy Wonka or, or Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? Y'all remember that little brat named Veronica? <laughs> Does the little dance, swinging around, all the puppy dogs and everything that, that she wants. And I don't care how. I want it now. Like, that's how we are with God. We don't care how you do it, God. We don't care if you send some rich person to write me a check. You, I don't care if the bank makes a mistake and it just enters into my account somehow. Like, I really don't care how you do it, God. But, God, you need to do what I'm telling you to do. I want it now. See, this is different. When you look at the, the prodigal as a prodigal and a lost person... Then, then it's just like, well, they didn't know any better. They were lost and they, their heart was just far from God. They didn't know no better. But when you look at this story as it's written as if there were two sons, 
A son has spent time, they grew up in the house. They've heard about this. They know what's near to the father's heart. They know what matters to him, all of those things. They've got the same DNA flowing in their veins and stuff. This isn't some random stranger who has no knowledge of who the father is. This is someone who grew up with the father. But said, the only aspect of the father that I need is your money or your blessings. How many people in the church today are guilty of living with this mentality? God, I need you to bless me. And and we would never say, God, I'm only serving you for your blessings. But if things aren't going the way that we hope in our life, what is our reaction to God? Are we still worshiping God as much when it seems like our life is falling apart as we are when we're on a mountaintop? Are we still in the word of God as much when things are falling apart or, or, or whatever as we are when, when we need him to move? or like, what, what, How do we serve God on a day-to-day basis? How are we connected to him? See, there's many people in the church world today who want Jesus as Savior because Jesus as Savior gets me into heaven and it gets me some blessings and stuff versus Jesus being Lord. We're okay with the blessings as long as there's no obligation attached to it. As long as there's no requirements. As long as there's no restrictions. As as long as there's nothing that's going to cost me anything. We're good. But there's a problem with that. When we begin to live our life for things, then before long those things have us. And then not only that, but we begin to eat the fruit of the things that we're seeking. I read this in a a book a few weeks ago, and I I can't remember which book it was that I read it in or I would quote it directly. But it basically, I typed it into my phone, is this, is that when Christians seek things from God instead of seeking him, they will fall into one of the lusts of the world. When I thought about this in between services, I I remember when Jesus was tempted in the the wilderness. He was tempted with things to to become God. He was tempted with status. He was tempted with provision. He He was tempted with proving himself and making a name for himself and and those things fall into the, the, the lust of the world. And, and that's what the Bible says that the temptations and things that we have today is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and, and the boastful pride of life. That those are the, the areas that we're going to struggle in and that we're going to be tempted in. And when we live our life only seeking God for things, then we're literally, our life is being based on the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride, the pride of life. That is going to lead us away from the Father. It's going to lead us to the place like it did this son that he's feeding the pigs. And and it says, people all the time say that he was eating the pig slop. No, it says he would have eaten the pig slop if somebody would have gave him some. Like He wasn't even getting that. And then he finally comes to his senses and he's like, you know what? It was better for me in my father's house. Even Even my father's servants are better off than this. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back to my father and I'm going to say, Father, I've sinned against you and I've sinned against God. Because he's a righteous man. He likes God. So I'm going to say I sinned against God too. Because that will earn me some credit with him. Like He's going to see something here. So God be a little spiritual every now and then, you know.
speak in some King James every now and then, throw some hallelujah brothers in there. Because that's what gets God's attention, right? How many our fathers and hallelujahs we throw into our prayers is how long they are. He comes back to the father and the father, he begins to start his speech. And the father says, hey, 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 don't worry about it. Go get a ring. Go get a ring for a finger. Go get get the best robe. Bring it here. Go get the fatted calf. We're going to celebrate my son that was lost. He's now found. Like he didn't even let him get into the the servant mentality. He's like, no, no, no. You are not a servant. There is no way. I'm not accepting you back as a servant. You are my son. I'm restoring you back right where you should have been all along. And even he ran to meet him to make sure that, that he didn't get any pride or anything that would cause him to turn around. He ran to meet him and, and, and grabbed him in his arms and celebrated his son that was found. He was lost, but now he's found. The older brother, though, had a wrong view of God as well. See, younger view viewed him as restrictive, the younger viewed him as, as, as like, he, it was better off. I mean, basically, when he went to his dad and asked for his inheritance, it's like him looking at his dad and saying, you're dead to me, just give me my money. That's the heart that he had toward the father. There's no intimacy, there's no connection. It's only what I can get. But the older brother had a wrong view of God as well. Because the older brother, even though he stayed in the house, the older son didn't realize the access that he had to the father. He didn't realize the connection that he had. Even though we just read in verse 12 that it says that when he came and asked for the inheritance, that he divided the inheritance between the two. He had given the older brother the inheritance. The older brother isn't walking in the fullness of the inheritance. He doesn't realize the access that he has to, his, to the father because there's a, there's a different view that he has of the father with this. And we're going to look into it if you skip down to verse 25. This is when the the brothers came back and they're throwing the the celebration and everything. The older brother was out in the field and it says the older brother, the older son was in the field and he came and he drew near to the house and he began to hear music and he began to hear dancing and, 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 and he called for one of his servants and he said, what do these things mean? What is going on over there? What's all this noise? What's this celebration about? The servant said to him, your brother has come back and Your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. Now when you think about this, if you had had a relative or a brother or something that had been gone for an extremely long period of time and they were back and and, and they had been distant and you didn't know if they were okay and all that, you would think there would be some type of joy, some type of, 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 of excitement that that they were back and, and they were healthy, that they were safe. You know, over the, the past six months with my daughter being in Romania and Macedonia and Kosovo and, and all of these countries and, 
and being in some really kind of dark places, even when she was in Paris, she was in like the slums of Paris, you know, like just kind of dangerous areas and everything. As a dad, my concern is, is she okay? Is everything all right? And is she doing okay? Is she safe? And, 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 and like I'm tracking it on Life 360 as long when it would show me like, okay, she's moving, she's alive, you know. Send her a text every now, check up on her, see, see how things are going, like, as a father, your heart is for the child that is gone. But not only as a father, but my other kids, they were counting down the days till Eden came home. Like they were excited. And then when her plane got delayed again and again and again and again and again, six hours worth of delays, we ended up, we, we went to Charlotte. We thought we were going to pick her up and come right back home. Ended up having to stay there and stay overnight in a hotel and it was, you know, 11.30 or something like that. And the kids are, uh, you know, tired and, and, and in bed and stuff. And they're like, hey, do you guys want to go to the airport to pick her up? Yes. They get up and there's like all of us get in the car, drive and go to the airport. Why? Because the sister that was gone was coming home. And it doesn't matter how much they argued or fought before she left. There was an excitement there. And here this brother should be happy and there is no excitement at all. In fact, verse 28 says that he became angry and he refused to even go into the party. It says the father came out and entreated him. That word entreated, he basically was begging him, come on, just come in. Just come celebrate. Come on, let's, let's he, he was gone. Just come on, let's come, come be a part of this. But he answered his father and said, look at how many years I have served you. I have ne I've, I've never disobeyed your command. Come on, how many know he's lying? <laughs> what son has never disobeyed in years? And he's the older brother. Come on. Liar. Needs some Jesus. Look at all these years I've served you. I've, I've never disobeyed your command and you never even gave me a young goat that I may celebrate with my friends. Hold up. That's another lie. What did verse 12 just say to us? He divided the inheritance between the two brothers. That means there was access to all the goats that he could have wanted. Every goat that was left was his. Because his father had given it to him. All the possessions, all the things was now his. Because his father had already given it to him. But there's a disconnect here. You've never given me anything. But when this son of yours comes back. Come on, you see him distancing himself. Like, he, he ain't my brother. Why, why was he like this? Because, again, when... When the, he went to the father and said, look, you're dead to me. Just give me my money. You think that didn't affect the rest of the family? You think that the older brother didn't see how bad that hurt the father? And, it began, and he didn't begin to kind of deal with some bitterness and frustration about his brother and what he did to his dad? Like he, he's bitter and he's upset. And the father is basically saying, I know that, that he did something, but remember, he did it to me. 
He left me. He insulted me. He betrayed me. And I'm the one throwing the party. And it's the same way with us, guys. There's so many of us that we battle with things and we have unforgiveness and hurt and stuff that are toward people. And Jesus and, and God were saying, listen, they, they did it unto me. They sinned to me. They, they broke that law with me. But the son was already punished for it. And if they're willing to come back, we're throwing a celebration and we're throwing a party because I'm wiping the slate clean. The older brother is very critical of the younger brother. The older brother was angry, refused to come in and celebrate. But again, the older brother had access to everything that the father had. And he still sits there and says, you never even done this to me. You never killed a goat for me. I've given you the inheritance. What are you talking about? I've made a way. And there's many believers. See, the thing that you, you can tell by what he was frustrated about, God, or Father, I have, I have worked so hard for you. I've served so hard for you. And I didn't sin like that person did. What's he? Don't you see everything that I've done for you, Father? He's in a works-based mentality. The way that he views value and acceptance is based on work. My work ethic and my work production is far greater than that son of yours. While I've been working here and doing the right thing, that son has been wasting his money on prostitutes and everything. And you're going you're gonna to celebrate that? If anybody should be celebrated, it should be me. Look at how holy I am. Look at all that I've done. I should be valuable in your sight because I have been faithful to be here when other people haven't. And many of us have fallen in and we see ourselves in the same way. God, look at all the things that I've done for you. Like I, I, I did all these things. I've. When everybody else bowed down, I stood up. When other people left, I stayed faithful. When other people canceled, I filled in. Don't you see everything that I've done? What's the problem with that? You're finding your value in what you do. Both of these sons were completely missing the fact that their value wasn't about the sin that they had committed or the righteous deeds that they had done. It wasn't about performance. The only thing that the father was looking at was the fact that they were his sons. The love that they desired, the blessing that they needed, everything was available to them. Not because of performance, not because of anything they said, not because of everything they did. Nothing was taken away because of anything that they did. All of the love and the blessing was still available and is still accessible just because they were sons. And the father tries to convince the older brother, he said, son... What are you talking about? I've never killed a goat. Everything that I have, you have always been here with me. And all that I have, it's yours. I've already 
given it to you. But it is important and it is fitting that we take time to celebrate your brother. Because your brother was dead, but now he's alive. Your brother was lost, but now he's found. And Father, just, I don't know why you believe you didn't have access to me, but you've always had access to me. It's, it's always been yours. And I believe there's so many believers who don't even think that they can ask God for anything or do anything. Like this isn't a, a God doesn't ever want to bless you type message or anything. Yes, God wants to bless you. But the primary focus of the blessing that he gives you isn't just for you. And so that you can live your life for you. The primary focus of the blessing was to go all the way back to Abraham. I will bless you and through you all the nations of the world will be blessed. The blessing wasn't just to get to you. The blessing was to get through you into the lives of others so that you could be about the Father's work. So that you could be about building the kingdom. See, the younger son missed this understanding. If the younger son would have worked hard and multiplied the things that the father had, when the father would pass away, the inheritance would have been even greater than the inheritance that he squandered. If he would have been about the father's business. And that's what we have to understand. Listen, guys, all the blessings that you can receive here on earth are nothing compared to the blessings that are awaiting us in heaven. That's why Paul said that these light momentary afflictions that I've went through, they are nothing compared to the eternal weight of glory that is waiting on me. What were the momentary light afflictions? Being shipwrecked. Being in prison, being beaten, the, the, the cat of nine tails taking it five times, being beaten with rod three times, being hungry, being left without clothes, being in the cold, all those things. Those were the things that he called momentary and light compared to what he was going to inherit in heaven. There are too many Christians who are living for their inheritance on this side of eternity instead of living for the one that is on that side of the eternity. And the whole point of this thing is this earthly inheritance will fade away. You will be wiped away and it will be to the point of like you're eating pig slop compared to what's waiting for you when you serve in the kingdom of God, stay in the Father's house and receive your eternal inheritance. Both of these brothers had a view that was hindering them from walking in the fullness of relationship. One saw discipline or some rules and regulations and structure and things as oppressive. And the other one didn't see it as oppressive. He embraced it and he, he was faithful and all those things. But he didn't realize that there was so much more blessing that he had access to. And so one received the blessing without the relationship, and it led him to a place where he was miserable and was willing to just come back as a servant. The other received a level of the relationship, but never walked in the blessing that God had given them. 
or that the father had offered him. And so then he began to even think the father to be unfair. How can you celebrate him with all that he's done and not celebrate me? Look at everything that I've done. You see, that's the problem with works is when we fall into works and we only serve or we only give or we only read our Bible or we only go to church because it's, it's what you're supposed to do, then it becomes weight. And it actually becomes something to where you're like, God, look at what I'm doing and you're not even doing anything for me. Versus when you're in relationship with the Father and you know the Father's heart, then the things that He cares about, you begin to care about. Like, the, there are plenty of things in my household that I could care less about. Like, I don't need guest towels. I don't need the core towels. To me, towels are functional. If they are hanging there, you should be able to use them. Right? But for my wife, some towels, not all towels, but some towels are not functional. They're decorative. Or... They're only for people, last name not Holly. I could care less about those things. But you know who I do care about? My wife. So because those towels are decorative, even if it's the only towel in the room, and I need a towel... I will not use the decorative towel because I understand it's decorative, not functional. Not because if I use the towel, she would beat me. Not because if I use the towel, she would have unlimited headaches. Caught that one late there. <laughs> Simply because I love her and it matters to her. So it matters to me. When I serve God, I don't do this out of obligation to God. I do this because I love God. Believe it or not, I don't do this for money. Because I could make a whole lot more money other places. I have literally been offered three times my annual salary to go pastor another church. And I was not going to take it. Why? Because God's heart is for me to be here among these people. And so because God's heart is for me to be here, then that's my heart, not out of obligation. out of love for my Savior. God, 
doesn't matter what my preference or what my, like whatever it is. I never wanted to start a school. But yet we have a school. And had we not started the school, there would have been a hundred kids that didn't get saved and baptized this past year. Guys. But that's the relationship he wants with all of his sons and daughters. Brandon Holly is not that special. Melody Holly is not that special. Where there's something different. We don't have no direct line access to God that you guys don't have. We don't have any power that's inside of us that you guys don't have. He offers it to all of us. But he will not make you go with his disciplines. If you want to leave, he'll let you leave. And he will not force you to come into the celebration. If you want to sit there and feel sorry for yourself, he'll let you sit there and feel sorry for yourself. But what was the father's desire? That both sons would come to the table and enjoy the blessing and the relationship that was available to both of them. And that's his desire for us as his children. Is that we come, fellowship we live our lives not for an inheritance now but realize that if we'll be about the Father's business while we're here on earth the inheritance that we will receive in heaven is far greater than anything we could even think for here and now so which son are you? maybe you're both I know I've been both There's times when I'm critical of people. There's times when I felt like I've messed up too bad and God couldn't forgive me and God couldn't. And what what, what does that do? It keeps me either from stepping into something that God has. It keeps me from learning more about him. It keeps me from having fellowship and relationship with him. Which makes me a worse father, a worse pastor, a worse son. Or I can realize that even in my faults and failures... Still a son, and the invitation is still there to come and enjoy the benefits of the Father's house and the relationship that He offers. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. If you like what you're hearing, please rate and share. For more content, to connect with us, or if you'd like to support this ministry by giving, visit our website, iHeartChurch dot online. We love you and have a great day.